Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey, and I am Nate, your Dungeon Master, an occasional teacher of animal facts, Dungeons and Dragons, and I, I don't know, you know, corporate business processors or whatever. By the way, don't take any career development advice from this podcast, or frankly, any dark fantasy noble setting. Also, leave us a rating and review wherever you found us. And without further ado, last time on Carrots and Suffering. Sable is named the new head of her house, and I have decided that the best person to see House Barathi through this time and the new heir is the matron baroness, Sable Valeria Barathi. There is no applause. A ghost tips off Lord Mentor to the events at House Mason involving blood magic, and the Lord Regent demands the truth from our heroes. I am told that there is information that you possess about the Masons, and I want it from you now. I don't like the Masons' magic. I don't trust Lord Mentor. She feels in this moment like her life is forfeit no matter what. Like, if I don't tell, Lord Mentor is pissed at me. If I do tell, House Mason will be on me. So she just looks as flummoxed as I am. We're kind of between a rock and a hard place here. With this revelation, Silpha's courting to Byron and Isaac's courting of Meg are both declared doomed. But Sable is able to set up a marriage contract between her house and Lord Mentor's as the two houses grow much closer together. Lord Mentor, if you don't mind, let's set up a courtship between Alan and your daughter. Excellent. There will be a series of four, two at your place, two at ours. They will start immediately. We will come by tomorrow afternoon. I I have been offered a marriage contract to Byron Mason. You will proceed as normal and I will stop it. Who else are they trying to acquire? The only other wizard of my age in the kingdom, sir, Isaac Evans. I'll call for Isaac tomorrow. Jalen and Jessica have some sister bonding time as things with the Thieves Guild seem to be spinning out of control. Jessica will open the door and say, yeah, what's up? I need to talk to you and also sleep in your room tonight. (laughs) But we should just go to bed. You can't tell me we're going to fight fairies and then fall asleep. That, no, no. (laughs) All right, maybe we'll stay up. I think you have like a, a sister's murder chat this is bonding but it's about how to kill fairies uh-huh. and as we left our last episode three were rats attempt to abduct silpha in broad daylight and your perception is good enough to note that two people have come out behind you from spaces in between buildings and they seem to be similarly dressed and as the rat man sort of walks up to you he says silpha lunari you're coming with us please I said please. Let's get into it. For what reason do you wish me to come with you? We need some leverage. You're the leverage. Come on, or we're doing this the hard way. I think not. And then I will misty step 30 feet away from all of them. First you will roll initiative. Oh, she she did pretty good. Oh, lucky, got, lucky lady. I got a 20. <laughs> they got a 15. So you bamf 30 feet away. You're going to go for a rooftop. 
just down another alley like rooftop what? and then my my next action is actually going to be i think to cast alter self all right so you bamf up to the rooftop i'm not sure they know where you went so i'm going to give them a chance to spot you we'll set the dc as if you had generically rolled stealth so if you rolled a 10 what would your stealth be 14 14 all right no so they immediately go what the hell was that and one of them goes invisibility and starts swiping through the air with a club <laughs> and one of them goes no you idiot it was teleportation she could be anywhere spread out and you see them run into the spaces between the buildings what is your next action well i had cast alter self in order to hopefully get away and disguise who i am so that i'm no longer Silpha lunari the person they're looking for and my thoughts are that if cornered i can also hopefully use that to my advantage in another way. What do you look like instead? I look like a common servant with some mutations that would imply like a heavier amount of contact with the thorns. And do you change clothes? Yeah, that's a good idea. Roll me a stealth to change quietly. 13. I believe that misses by one. So as you're changing, someone is going to try to scramble up and look at the roof of a building they hear something up there a rat man's face appears over the edge and he sees a i guess half naked servant <laughs> changing on the roof and i swear that startles the crap out of him but we're going to give him an insight roll so actually not insight roll you are going to be the one who rolls so give me a deception nine you are basically a half naked servant wearing the same clothes you hear him shout, she's up here! And then he'll start scrambling his butt the rest of the way up the roof. What do you do? She uses Alter Self. Her arms elongate to, like, Slender Man long. Every single joint is articulated and claw-like, and her face becomes... She's basically like this cross between Slender Man and... A Nosferatu vampire praying mantis. <laughs> yeah, she looks really scary. <laughs> she will hiss at all of them. Don't you dare touch me. Roll me intimidate. Can I do it with advantage? Yeah. 14. The guy on the roof goes, um, and jumps off. <laughs> <laughs> and as you hit the ground, you hear him say, she's up there. And then the two guys are like, oh, okay, we'll go get her. You have another action at this point, because they spent their turn basically running to this guy. Half-naked Nosferatu leaps from roof to roof. <laughs> I have one more opportunity to bamf. One roll perception to see through a window. You could bamf into a house. Consequences might be had. You could get lucky. Maybe they're all at work. I think I do want to use my last second-level spell slot. Uh, so the nature of Alter Self is I can change what I look like at will. So I don't have to be a terrifying Nosferatu creature. True, but then you'd, you'd spend an action shifting into not a terrifying Nosferatu creature. If you bamf <laughs> now, no one can see you. Being terrifying might not be a bad thing right now. Then I will do that to get away. Adjacent roof, house, just a street on the opposite side of the building. Where are you going? I'll aim for a rooftop out of their line of sight or what I would think would be out of their line of sight from where they are on the ground, and they think I'm on top of this roof. You jump over two rooftops to one that is a little higher and can duck down. 
and then I will will scurry down the roof. Give me an athletics roll or acrobatics to get down without being harmed. Uh, acrobatics is probably going to be better for me. We'll see. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, no problem. I am just 20. Like Adrenaline. You slide down a drain pipe and smooth as anything. You're smooth as a Nosferatu can be. You're down, out of sight, <laughs> and creepy as shit. I think I become not creepy as shit and finish putting on a top. <laughs> Still looking like a servant? Still looking like a more heavily mutated servant. You can hear them scramble onto the roof. You said she was up here. It's like, you should, yeah, she was up there. And then one of them goes, it's invisibility. And you see him like running around the roof, <laughs> swinging a stick arbitrarily. And you walk away quickly. Give me a stealth roll. Come on, you can do it. The DC was 14. 21. You just duck around the corner and walk away, leaving them there. Flailing around on the roof at nothing. Well, one of them anyway. I want them to think I'm a were-moth. (laughs) (laughs) Were-furatu. So you escape. I'm I'm disguised like the more heavily mutated servant. I pull the cowl of my cloak down pretty low, and when I get closer to home, I will reappear as myself. You still want to go home? That is a good question. She she also might have more rat people waiting for her. I think she's also concerned if they came looking for her in the street, they would show up at her house. She is legitimately concerned for her family, too. Mm-hmm. I think the safest place I might feel at this point is Lady Miev, so yeah. I will head to her estate. So, Jalen, when you wake up, the place to go get breakfast is completely rearranged. And you recognize it's set up now for a formal courting. Oh, shit. And we've actually set up both the study and the dining area for some kind of formal courting thing. And the servants are busy at work, setting them up nicely. The nice silverware is out, the good dishes. Is anyone else around? No, Jessica's asleep now. But Lord Evans, Isaac? You can find Lord Evans and Isaac, yeah. Well, I'll go find them. Isaac is directing one of the rooms and is being really anal retentive about it, too. Like, no, get uh, line the forks up correctly. Is this for you or for me? Oh, this one's this one's for me. Oh, good. Thank God. Okay. The other one's for you. What? I don't Ask Dad. <sighs> We're going to have two courtings going on in, at once? Um, Something like that, yeah. Awkward. Okay. All right. I'll go find Lord Evans. You find Lord Evans. He is not really overseeing the setting up of the the other courting rooms. Mostly sitting there, working on some ledgers. He looks up as you walk up. Hey, where's Jessica? She's asleep. Have you seen Kylan this morning? No, is he around? No, he didn't come home. Oh, I was hoping to talk to him. I was expecting him. Oh, well, um, how long do I have? Before Lynn comes. Three hours? Three hours. Enough to get to town and back, but not enough to do anything. Okay. Can I talk to you for a second? Yeah, sure. She's going to close the door to the study and sit down and say, what do you want to happen with the poor Ninos? It would be really helpful for me to know that before they get here. To be honest with you, Jalen, I've been thinking about this a lot. And while the original plan was for you to not marry and manage the Thieves' Guild, just as your uncle has. This is a big opportunity. The Porninos are the number two or three family 
if you were to marry into them, I can find someone else to run the Thieves' Guild. You don't feel like you're losing out on a long game investment? No. The purpose of the Thieves' Guild isn't to even have a Thieves' Guild. It's to raise our status. If we were allied more closely with House Pornino, why have a Thieves' Guild? I mean, we would still keep it. I, there's no reason to turn down power, but you have to understand the purpose of it is to get us these kind of deals. Can I be so bold as to offer you an idea? I mean, I'll take an idea. Okay. We make a lot of money on assassination contracts, right? Especially at times like these, when the shit starts stirring up. Not quite true, but money does change hands. True assassination contracts are quite rare, I'm told. Kylan manages them. If we're going to form this connection with the Pornino family, it seems like if those kinds of contracts are already prevalent, there's twice as much money to be made with a protection contract system. Hmm. What if we could set it up in such a way that when an assassin contract comes to light we tip off say the pornino family they reach out to the target and offer protection give us 30 percent 40 percent because suggesting racketeering because <laughs> extortion for the win he sits back in his chair and says you know i don't dislike the idea jalen i raised you right it would be up to kylan though he really he really does own those functions. I think you should chat with him. And honestly, if he's not up for it, when the guild changes hands to you, if it you changes can do it. hands to me, if I marry into the Pornino family, that's going to be a sticky thing. Yeah, I imagine they wouldn't be okay with that. Hmm. I mean, it feels to me a little like you've got a choice to make here, Jalen. And to be honest with you, I like this racketeering concept. I don't know that the Porninos would be willingly a part of it, but they might be unwillingly a part of it. You little shit. Trying to stay alive. <laughs> trying to be useful. I'll tell you what. You keep trying to win Lynn's heart. Okay. And I will keep trying to hedge our bets. Okay. And I'll make sure that there is representation in the Thieves' Guild. Besides, Kylan's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried Kylan is actually dead. Well, um, thanks. No, no problem. Uh, wear a nice dress this time. The Porninos are coming She makes a face. I'll, I'll see what I can come up with. He goes back to his ledgers and doesn't really acknowledge you. She's going to go out and try to find a way to stay at least a little armed, but also dressed up. She knows Lynn wants her to wear the sword all the time, so she doesn't have to worry too much about that. Wearing the sword would be nice. As you are... Heading up to get dressed, you hear a servant talking to Isaac. And Isaac says, what do you mean you can't find her? And the servant says, I went to her house. She was not there. I heard she left Lord Mentors. She's not there. Jalen will poke her head around the corner. Everything okay? No, it's fine. We just, I tried to invite Silpha to tea and the servant can't find her. Oh, well, if she's not at home and she's not with Sable, might be with Lady Miev. He um, looks at the servant who says, Oh, it's going to take two and a half hours to get out to Lady Miette's. And he says, I really did want to have this happen today. Here, hand me the note. I'll take care of it. 
and the servant gives him this confused look and says, it's going to take two and a half hours to get to Lady Mieves. And Isaac flips him off and walks upstairs. Bastion <laughs> of charm. She wants to say something to the servant. Okay, go for say, it. Say, look, you didn't do anything wrong. I know, Isaac's an asshole. Sorry. Maybe he'll grow up someday, or maybe I'll knee him in the balls. Why don't you be careful about doing or saying anything like that? Yeah, okay. But I'm sorry. He's just, he's extra edgy about this whole courting thing. Yes, he is. This is not his milieu. And he turns and goes back to polishing silverware. Sofa, you are almost to Lady Mievs when a pigeon, an unmutated pigeon, flaps to the ground in front of you, and you note it has a little parchment on a string around its leg, and it sort of jerks towards you and pecks at the ground a little bit. She will reach down to untie it from its leg. The bird ignores you in the way that birds do. You can unfurl it, and it says... You are cordially invited to tea at House Evans immediately. Please arrive promptly before dark. I. I will take out my own small piece of paper and write back a rather cagey response. If Jalen sees it, she will recognize as being full of irritation behind the polite words. And it says something to the effect of, Dear Master Evans, I am so delighted to receive your invitation to tea after so many missed opportunities to catch up and converse with you. She will addend the message with, I would be happy to talk, but find myself indisposed. And then say, I don't know what Jay has gotten into with the guild, but they're after me. You're going to put that in the note? She'll use a losery script, so it looks like just some sort of fancy script at the end, but it is concealed in illusory magic, and Jalen and Isaac would be designated as able to read that. So you could tell us me ifs. Tess answers the door and says, Silva, I wasn't expecting you. Please, please, come in. Thank you. She's probably very nervous. And I'm I'm sorry for my unannounced arrival here. I I didn't know where else to go. That's okay. You don't need to explain anything to me. Come here. And she takes you past the quaint study that you have normally met in and to Lady Mia's personal study, which is a much larger library. It's where you found that book you stole. We stole a spell out of it and then returned the book. In her personal library, there's papers everywhere, drawings everywhere. You see the notebooks scattered around the tables. There's strange mystical formula and basically engineering diagrams lying around. When you step in, Miev turns around and she's wearing this bizarre set of goggles and holding several writing utensils at one time. She's got an ink pen behind one ear and there's ink smears all over her hands and face. And she turns and says, Silva, what, uh, um, this is not I'm so sorry, Lady Miev. I didn't know where to go. No, uh, no, no, please sit, sit. Uh, how can how can I help you? And you see her grab a rag and totally fail to get ink off of her hands. Silva just sighs deeply and says, I just, I need to lie low for a bit. The disadvantage of having a friend in the guild is that, well, I don't know what she got into with the guild, but they were after me. It- the Carpenter's Guild? The Thieves' Guild, my lady. Oh, 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 Jalen. 
I'm, I'm sorry, I thought you meant Sable. Please, please, come in and sit down. Look, you, you can stay here for a, a couple days, no problem. I Actually, I could really use your help on something. Come over here, and uh, this will take your mind off it or, or something. Actually, how about you take notes, and I'm going to read off some formulas from the notepad, and I want you to write them down, but do it in this shape. Roll me Arcana. A 19. It is how to forge a kind of intelligence from magic and embed it into an entity. She's researching some kind of animated construct-based creation. This is what Muriel was working on? This is incredible. Oh, it's one of only hundreds of ideas she had, but this is the one that solves the immediate problem. We can work on the other ones next. Sable, you're on your way home. I am. You mentioned you might want to have a conversation. When Helena and I are not surrounded by ears that are actually listening to us at the time, I'm going to quietly let her in on who it is that holds my contract. She will nod. Who is it that holds your contract, by the way? Ophelia, Hester, and Lorelai. And Ophelia and Hester are part of the circle. She nods and says, Oh, Hester doesn't surprise me. Ophelia does. I wonder if Lorelai has something on her. Either that or she was looking to be the next heir herself. Maybe. I don't think she was ever on the table for heir, but she definitely is among the generation that thought they should be in charge of the circle. We'll keep an eye on her. And then I'm going to find out from Champion Helena everything I can about who the matron trusted and didn't trust. I will set up a um, day's business briefing and we will bring to you the immediate considerations. Boy, do I look excited about that. The head maid uh, for the house is Adelaide, and she was basically in charge of all of the servants. Thank you. You arrive at House Varathi almost immediately. The chapel in the back is set up to host a house meeting. What happens when I get there? Do people act differently with me? Hopefully not. Everyone acts differently. The servants are on edge around you. You can even catch some people saying like, I don't, I don't, I wasn't particularly nice to her. I think, oh my gosh. <laughs> there have to have been servants that were pretty friendly to me though. I mean, cause I mean, there are servants that are time, friendly to everyone, yeah. yourself included. I mean, Freya, the one that you named because she was going to go sleep with Cygnus Swanson was the head of the laundry facility. And so you know her really well because you do your own laundry. Uh, I will first ask if there are arrangements being made for the courting because we will have house mentor here this afternoon they are already being made we've already set up two spaces you can decide which one you approve of and we will use that one the other one's a backup i'll ask for adelaide adelaide will come out of the section of the house where the courting is set up she was apparently overseeing that and show up in the chapel yes my matron thank you adelaide i can see that you're doing a very good job here have you overseen other courtings at the house? Oh, dozens, maybe even hundreds. Really? I mean, I've been in my role for almost 40 years. We've married off two generations. That's wonderful. Which one of these spaces would you think would be most appropriate to someone of Lord Mentor's daughter's stature? Well, the lighting in the East Wing is generally softer and will look really nicely with Mentor Blue. So I think she would definitely look her best in the East Wing. The one in the West Wing, though, well, a little darker, 
generally is a, a bit more comfy and inviting. East wing, then. Done. We will escort them directly there as soon as they arrive. I'm going to also ask her if I can see Alan before the mentors arrive, but first the house meeting. I'll send for Alan. He may arrive at the house meeting. So at the house meeting, basically all of the big name adults of the House of Varathi arrive and it is being led by Gretchen, who was effectively the major domo handler of major things for the matron. What's she doing? So Gretchen has a list of things that need to be addressed. And so as soon as everybody sets down, she says, would you like to say anything before we get started? Otherwise, I'll just start bringing up the items of business. Uh, we're very busy today. We have Lord Mentor and his daughter coming. Let's just jump right in. Okay. Over the last three days, the thorns have accelerated in growth towards the house. They are moving at a speed much closer to the rate that they grow in the rest of the kingdom. Our thorn cutters are very concerned. We actually had two abandon their post and disappear, and I've sent a few people out to try to find them, but uh, that, is a, that is a problem. What is your recommendation? How many extra people do we have to be able to put on it today? Well, we've typically only kept a skeleton crew of thorn cutters, so there aren't really extras. However, most houses, and she looks really nervous as she says this, frequently appoint out-of-favor indoor servants to that role. Are there people in town who hire themselves out for such services? For thorn cutting? No. No, no absolutely not. Uh, they, they, I mean, they absolutely would take over for house servants so we could hire out a cook or something. Keep them at bay today. Check in with me again in two hours after this meeting. Okay. The other option is we could temporarily purchase some thorn cutters from an adjacent house. They all keep a full staff of them, so it will cost us money, but... Do we have it? Yes, I mean, absolutely. The, the matron kept a very full coffer. Then let's do that for today. Absolutely. I'll send out for them immediately. She says, okay, next up, we have agreed to two courting sessions here and two courting sessions at House Mentor. Would you like to take servants with you when you attend House Mentor? It is customary to take at least two. Yes. I would recommend taking Adelaide as the essentially head servant. Uh, is there anyone you'd like to reward? Let's see how everyone performs at these at the house. And who will make the decision? On who's going to attend with me? Uh, yes. Maybe who has performed the best this evening and would, and would attend with you? I would have recommendations from those who watch today, and then I will make the decision myself. Very well. And then she pulls out a massive ledger. Oh, God. And starts going through the lumber take and the progress of the lumberjacks that make up the business of House Varathi and the Carpenters Guild and that relationship. And you get to spend a good two hours talking hard numbers. And boring shit. How familiar am I with any of this? Talking about wood. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be. I believe your background was Guild Carpenters. Yep. So 50% of this you know really well. 50% of it is new and you're gonna have to learn. Go ahead and roll me an intelligence roll. History would be the most appropriate. Oh, gosh, no, A6. The two-hour conversation ends up taking three. <sighs> they keep having to explain things to you. Uh, occasionally, they have to get other people 
who weren't in the room to come explain things because okay. the lumberjacking side, you're just, you've never done it, don't know anything about it. But Ophelia, Patricia, Helena, like all of these people are there. They are there, and a lot of them have been through these meetings and know a fair amount. But I've never really attended these meetings. No. I will do my best to appear like I'm absorbing things, and I'm not going to try to appear like I know things that I don't at all. I will be very clear about the things that I don't understand and willing to listen. Okay. And your house meeting goes for a while. It's time for the mid-roll. This one very special, researched by Julie. The primary inspiration behind Julie's character Silpha Lunari is the South American moth species Thysania agrippina. It's most commonly known as the white witch moth, though it goes by a host of other common names, including the birdwing moth, ghost moth, the great gray witch moth, and the great owlet moth. As several of these monikers allude, this moth species is substantial in size with a wingspan that can measure up to 30 centimeters or 12 inches across. It's a top competitor for the title of largest insect. One story of how the white witch moth may have earned its common name relates to its awesome abilities of deception and evasion. The dorsal surface, or backside, of the white witch moth's large wings is a creamy white to light brown color, with black and brown lines zigzagging across it in a fairly regular pattern. This natural camouflage helps the moth to blend into the trunks of trees in its tropical habitat, concealing it from predators, mainly bats. However, when this moth takes flight, it reveals itself to be as showy and spectacular as any butterfly. The underside of its wings are an iridescent blue-violet framed with black and patterned with white spots. Interestingly, little is known about the life cycle of the white witch moth, the egg, pupa, and caterpillar of the species, as well as what plants host them, have not been scientifically documented. A project called White Witch Watch, based out of the University of Connecticut, seeks to rectify this, and if you're curious and into citizen science sort of things, you should definitely check out their website, whitewitchwatch.weebly.com. As a side note, it's been mentioned that Julie is way into naming things. Silpha is a specific epithet for several genera of moths and butterflies, and refers to Sylph, a mythological nymph-like air spirit. The family name Lunari is a nod both to Luna moths and to the fact that most moths are nocturnal animals that may use the moon for navigation, perhaps like Silpha's merchant ancestors once navigated the seas. Will we ever learn if there are Lunari outside the thorns, continuing the legacy of the family's trade empire? Our heroes were up to survive first in order to find out. Let's get back to the story. That's going to cut us back over to House Evans, where Isaac comes downstairs. It's been about an hour and a half, and he hands you a note and quietly sits down and stares at you. And she'll look at the note. It's Silva's note. It's Silva's note. Fuck. She looks up at Isaac. I can't tell what that means. She's safe? She's not safe? Well, she was writing this note, and... Because her hand wasn't, like, shaky or anything. Like, the handwriting's no. pretty solid, right? Well, in fact, you would recognize that because she used illusory script, she had to set up, like, a little ritual in order to do that magic. Isaac would recognize that. Jalen doesn't know. Isaac will say, I mean, she's, she's probably safe. They would have sent a very different note if they had her. Yeah, I have a feeling I'd be down there being persuaded if they had her. Well, 
Do you think Kylan ordered this? I don't know. Okay. But they don't have her. They can't go after Sable. She's too important now. Well, not this way. Right. Isaac, what... what are... He's tapping his fingers, and he says, I think we pay a visit. To the guild? Oh, yes. After the courtings? Nope. Now? Get Jessica. Okay. She's going to run upstairs and go wake up Jessica. So as you are coming back downstairs with Jessica, who is uh, like, she was pissed to be woken up. But when she figures out that you're going to go fight something, she's so excited. She's still like armored. She fell asleep in her she armor. She fell asleep right? in her armor. Yeah. And she, I mean, she looks like Van Helsing, the vampire hunter. Uh, when you wake her up, give her 20 minutes to freshen up. And now she's raring to go. Raring to go. As you're coming down the steps, you can hear horses outside. Isaac, we don't have time. Look, my courting's not going to happen. So you do yours. And Jessica and I'll take care of this. Okay. I mean, that or you try to convince Lynn to come with. That's a very pinched, she just ate a lemon look. (laughs) They don't have her. Let's go after the courting. Isaac looks frustrated and jumpy. And you can tell from looking at him, he wants to do something now. And Jessica would like to fight. Well, she wants to do something now. The two of them look really kind of frustrated at each okay, other. She's going to and... huddle with them too and say, look, Lord Evans was expecting Kylan back and he hasn't come back. All right. I would also like to know what goes on, but I can't get out of this if they're here now. Okay. Look, you get through the courting as fast as you can. Okay. I'm going to send a note off to Silpha and we're all going to meet by a certain sewer grate tonight just as it's getting dark. Okay. Understood. And Jessica seems happy with that answer. And Isaac nods. And then as she's about to step away, he says, do you want me to invite Sable? That's a turnaround. Yes. This is going to be really fun. He has this really grim look on his face as he turns around and walks up the steps. And you hear from the door, Jalen. And you turn around and Lynn is there with a big smile. She's going to put on the best smile she can muster and be like, Lynn! Give me a deception roll. Oh, no. Oh, nine. Not good at that. (laughs) The dice fucking no. Your skin flashes neon pink. And she's also wearing, like, a dress. She's got the sword, but yeah, she's not in her comfort zone at all right now. You see Lynn appears to interpret this positively. We'll just go with that. He moves over and slides the chair out in the dining hall for you. And you see Lord and Lady Bornino come in, and Lord Evans is there to greet them. And there's a, several guards and a host of servants. They basically swarm the dining room table off to the side, leaving you guys you know, 15 feet of space to talk to yourself. Is it proper to like bow to the Bornino? Or... Oh, yeah. So you'll do like a bow and a curtsy, and you'll do all the right things. Go ahead and give me a perform roll. Oh, shit. 19. <laughs> You know, just before this happened, you studied your notes from finishing school. You hit all of the points. Who knew that Jalen was, like, studious enough to take good notes? She did have a very strong sense of proper etiquette at the the first funeral. You're killing it. You're killing it. You you don't forget the tea this time. (laughs) And don't spill the tea this time. Let's actually see how Lynn does. He has more formal training than you and is... Just too smitten. Trained at being at court, but he he is not keeping up with you in this regard. There's a few moments where you're definitely taking the lead in how to manage a courting. What do you talk about? 
can we talk without them hearing or is it i mean is that what is that the idea is they're giving us room to have a conversation they're giving you enough room that you can have a conversation that is reasonably private but they could butt in at any moment and if the table that they're at gets quiet they're probably listening to you you'd have to time it pretty well but you could have a few sentences of uninterrupted conversation. But if it looks too good, you're definitely going to get some attention. Right. So are they all conversing now? Okay. She's going to say, this sword has already come in very handy. He doesn't look as happy about that news as you'd expect. Are you okay? Yeah, I am okay. Thanks to the sword. Thank you. And, And your family. You're welcome. Look, he'll lean in a little too close and then... You'll see, like, heads turn from the table, and then he'll, like, correct and lean back, and the adults go back to talking. And he says, as long as you stay on the right side of the law, I can let you keep that sword. It's really important to me that you stay safe. Thank you. I am working to meet those conditions. You see a look flash over his face. Give me an insight roll. Eleven. You didn't quite catch it. He looked a little disappointed for a moment, and he says... I hope you get there. Lynn, if you need to take it back, I understand. But you should know it's not... Are they still talking? Yeah. It's not the easiest thing for me, given the reason I was adopted into this family. But I would like to change that. He sits very quietly for a little while and sips his tea and kind of thinks for a little bit. And actually, the lack of conversation starts to draw the adult's attention. And he seems pretty lost in thought. He doesn't respond immediately. I will fill the silence with, um, so I've been reading about horses, which is total bullshit. She hasn't read a word. Let's roll some deception. <laughs> See if you can keep your horse back straight. Oh! Four. So that brings me to an eight. I hear they have manes and tails and that you and shampoo hooves. them. Boy horses are called fillies. The table on the other side of the room. You can see a couple of the Poininos go, ah, ah, and then stop themselves from like crossing the room to correct you about horse lingo. <laughs> what did the sick pony say, Lynn? It said, I'm a little horse. Uh, uh. <laughs> I think you're misstating a horse fact is enough to get Lynn to pay attention to you again, as he was clearly lost in thought. And he'll lean in and say, well, we, we can keep working on this horse thing, I think. I would love to know more. Do you have books that I could books read? Books on horses? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to read them. I will have a servant send them to you tomorrow. Oh, that's great. He will continue a conversation about horses that goes on for a little while. Give me another insight roll. Ooh, natural 20. So as the conversation goes on, you can tell he really wants to talk about this, what you know to be a Thieves Guild issue. And you can also tell that he's really distracted by the thought. You're getting the impression that he really did earnestly think you were not involved at all. And you have dispelled him of that notion. And he is a little floored by it, but able to hold a conversation about horses. No! So, Lynn, I am somewhat familiar with all the propriety with the courtship, but could I ride a horse? Could you show me how to ride a horse? He says, yeah. I mean, have you ridden a horse before? No. Never? Never. He stands up and says, Mom, I mean, uh, Lady Bornino. She'll stand up too. We are going to have a horse riding lesson. And she turns over and gives you a a pretty interesting smile. Roll me insight. 
Six. Uh, with a six, yeah, you know, she, she gives you a, a, a smile that you think means good job. And she says, oh, we planned for that. Yes, we brought an extra horse even. Wow. And she snaps a finger and one of the servants steps up and she says, bring around five horses, including the guest horse, please. Should I change? Because dress. Oh, yeah. do you have a riding dress? I don't have a riding dress, but I just have my normal clothes. I mean, if it's not too improper. He says, you can ride side saddle. Actually, his cheeks turn kind of bright pink <laughs> as his eyes wander a little bit. And then he says, actually, just bring around four. She doesn't have riding leathers. His mother turns and gives him this like, come on, kind of look. And he grabs your hand and starts heading towards the door. All right, along for the ride. So you get to ride side saddle. So I'm like, I'm, I'm behind him. Is that how it works? Is it? If I ride in front, I'm sitting on his lap. Yeah, I think you get to sit on his lap a little bit. That's why his mom was like, gag Really? (laughs) This is transparent, Lynn. So we can now have a conversation. It would be very hard for them to overhear you at this juncture. Lynn, this is the time if we want to have a private conversation. He'll get a little bit quiet. So the adults are riding about six, seven feet behind you, and the wind is blowing, and you're pretty sure they can't hear you. But as you guys start to have sort of some hushed conversation, you can see Lynn's mother look pissed because Lynn is not following the protocol that they apparently rehearsed. But he keeps it together and he says, um, yeah, just, just a little bit on that. So when can you be done with that? I don't know. It's kind of a big tangled issue. And like I said, I want to change it. It's not going to be a change that comes quickly or easily. I'm not going to lie, the sword would be useful in changing things. But again, if you're not okay with it being in my hands while that's going on, I will give it back to you. really likes him. She's being awfully honest. Roll me persuasion. 19. All right. So he knows she's working on things. Lynn kind of says, I think... I really would like you to have it for as long as I can arrange to let you keep it. But if if you get caught publicly, I will have to take it back. I understand. If you need if you if I need to have a conversation with your dad or or if <laughs> or if you need if you need my sword at your side, you, you know you can ask, right? Lynn, I might take you up on that. Good. He heaves out a sigh of relief and then says, horses really like this particular type of grass. This horse in particular likes this type of grass. And he will stop and let the the horse eat grass and the adults kind of catch up. And Lynn's dad says, now that my son has taught you the basics of riding, I think you can... Riding side saddle in a lap. (laughs) I think you can switch over to this horse and they did bring along the guest horse <laughs> on a string i i hope this is a mild-mannered um well it is specifically the mild-mannered horse the mild-mannered horse for people who don't know what they're doing it's a much older horse that is uh gonna go in whatever straight line to you appear to want it to go in if you're not careful it won't go in that line but you know whatever uh you can ride side saddle on that horse go ahead and give me acrobatics Oh, I'm good at acrobatics. But not today, 10. A 10 is an acceptable ride. The horse mostly goes where you want. (laughs) It is evident that you are not good at horse riding, but it is... But they weren't expecting me to be, so that's not too big of a deal. No, you meet their expectations. 
as you were switching horses, you can hear Lin's mom scolding him like, that was inappropriate. And he says, she doesn't know how to ride a horse. Now she, now she does. We, good, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Go team Lin. <laughs> I did the right thing, mom. She sat on my lap. As Lynn's mom goes to walk away, his dad gives him like a playful shoulder punch. <laughs> Good job, son. <laughs> and you guys have a, an otherwise very pleasant ride. Two carrier pigeons arrive. One to House Miev and one to House Varathi. And a servant will stride up to you. You're just finishing your multi-hour session of learning about lumber. Oh, hopefully that will help me in the future. And he says, my matron, a letter has arrived for you and hands you a sealed note from House Evans. I'll open it. It says, an incident has occurred today and we will be meeting near this intersection to discuss further steps. Come armed. Who's it signed by? Isaac. I will tuck it away. Silva, your letter says almost exact same thing. Come magic. Well, it, it does say come armed, but it, it also says if you are able and safe. I will inform the Lady Miev that there is a plan to deal with what happened to me today and that I will take leave in order to participate. Okay. If you feel you're safe, uh, I could send Riley with you. Oh, I want to resolve this. Okay, well, um, I'll see you soon. You're always welcome here. And I will also respond to the letter that I will enthusiastically be there. Once we've gotten done with the meeting, I would ask Helena to collect the circle. All right, the circle will be collected. Do you meet out in the grove or do you meet in the chapel? Will people leave us alone if we're in the chapel? If you tell them to. Yeah. Very likely someone will overhear you. Yeah, but then they know everybody that's in the circle. Who, who is in the circle is not a secret. Okay. I don't want servants overhearing this. I don't want anybody overhearing this. You we'll to, like, meet out at the meet, grove. Yeah. You know, I want to be the first there. So. Okay, you're first there. Okay. Roll me perception. Eleven. So here's what happens. You walk in and look around. You're the first one here. All right. But you also don't see a cat that you know is waiting somewhere. Which is great. So I don't want to talk to the cat just yet. I'll wait for everybody. I'm not... I'm not trying to talk to Tree or anybody else. I just wanted to be the first there and watch everyone come. They all arrive eventually, trickling in one at a time. Once they all get there, I will thank Helena for collecting everyone. I will say to everyone in the circle, the thorns are growing faster than when Matron Varathi was alive. I assume this means that she had somehow handled their growth. Several people nod, and one or two people's eyes gaze back at Tree. And you can hear trees say very slowly, yes. Did she do this through magical arts or through an agreement? Ophelia will say it's an agreement. Then we need an agreement. We do, yes. Would you like to handle that, Ophelia? Ophelia says I'd prefer not to. Hester? Hester says, hmm. What about you? I don't have much to offer anymore. So you're telling me Ophelia has more? Considerably. Ophelia. Yes, my lady. Manage the thorns for this month. Just for this month. For now. And we'll talk privately later. She says, okay, I can do that. Thank you. Was there any other business? Because we won't have time to talk again. 
They all look at each other and then Gretchen will chime in and say, it would be best if someone made an agreement to keep the beasts away as well. Have we had trouble with them since Matron Vrathi died? No, there have been no incidents, but the incidents were a non-issue before, and I imagine they will be now. I need time to think before I make any agreements, which means I need to buy some time. Who wants to help? (laughs) Nobody volunteers. Who will help anyway? It's a very quiet circle you're staring at. I will dismiss them then. Okay. Looking not tremendously happy with them. Ophelia stays standing in the grove as everybody leaves. Are you waiting to talk to me? You need to make an agreement. I guess I'm going to make it here. Go ahead. She says, tree, let let him in. And you hear like a loud groan and a cat emerges from the brush and says, who is prepared to negotiate? And Ophelia steps forward and says, I am. And your ask is? Um, I, I would need to stop the growth of the thorns towards the manor for one month. And the cat lazily lays itself down and says, one lunar cycle. And she says, I would prefer one month. And he says, one lunar cycle, they will stop. And in exchange, you will give four weeks of direct service to the lady, the queen of the fairies. And she says, what will that entail? And the cat says, well, either you can attend those four weeks in her court yourself in the land of the fae, or you can carry out any action she commands for that lunar cycle. And she says, I think I would prefer to stay here. And he says, oh, good. You're more useful here, I'm sure. And she says, you can't unnerve me, cat. We've been through this a number of times. Very well, very well. One lunar cycle. You do what you're told, and we will stop the progression of the thorns. And she says, can you give me an impression before we agree of what I'm going to be told? And the cat says, no, absolutely not. (laughs) But if you would agree to four more days of service above and beyond, I can tell you what might be coming. And she kind of paces frustratedly back and forth. I'm watching all of this. And then she says, if I were to agree to four additional days of service, and you tell me what likely would be asked of me, and I turn it down then I'm still stuck with four days of service. And the cat sort of nods, and she passes back and forth. So it wouldn't prevent you from asking me the same things. And the cat doesn't nod, but it doesn't shake its head. And then she says, we will do the 28 days. I don't need a heads up. And the cat says, very well, the thorns will not progress for 28 days. Your first command is to lead the assault on House Mason. (laughs) Dang. And Ophelia turns and looks at you and says, Oh, I guess we're going to war. No. No, we're not. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I'll await your genius ideas. And she turns to start heading to the manor house. If you try, you're going to be leading an assault of one person. Yeah. 
Did you think it was worth it? What, the steel? They're never worth it. Every single one of them is never worth it. And then you see her stumble, and she says, I didn't, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Who pulled your strings, Ophelia? She grabs at her, at her, the, like, collar of her shirt and starts kind of pulling it out away from her neck. I said I didn't mean it. And she starts choking. I'll wait for this to finish. Uh, she's unconscious in about 45 seconds. Does, is she turning blue? Once she's unconscious, she seems to be breathing again. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll keep watch. If she starts to actually take damage, I'm going to, like, do something about it. I'll give her a second to wake up. Yeah, about, about 10 minutes go by, and... When she wakes up, there's a like a bright red patch on the side of her face from repeated smacks. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, <clears throat> Oh boy. Um, if you'll excuse me. Ophelia, who pulled your strings to put yourself in this terrible position? Pulled strings? No, no. I made an agreement fair and square. That's not what I mean. You know why I asked you. Listen. I did not think Lord Mintor was going to name you the heir. I thought for certain he was going to name Lorelei's child and skip over Lorelei, but still keep the things exactly as they were. So when she said that she was taking an action and I could be with her or against her, I chose with her. This is all about survival, Sable. I find this one particularly sad. I'm going to let her go. All right. Once Ophelia leaves, I'm going to lean pretty heavily on Tree and kind of slump down and sit there with Tree for a minute and say, Tree, is there any precedent set for somebody undoing a promise someone else made? Oh, yes. Can you tell me about it? I refer to them as the spiral. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Sometimes they are required, but they are best to be avoided. Can you give me an example? Hmm. I think what's important to know here is that having to undo someone else's agreement is leverage against you in a negotiation. Mm. Depending on how desperate you are to undo it, it may be very costly to make that agreement. Do you have any idea why the Fairy Queen would be so against House Mason all of a sudden? Do you know of any agreements House Mason may have? To my knowledge, House Mason has no agreements. Right. Is there anything that you can tell me, Tree, about the other promises or agreements Ophelia has? I cannot tell you the specifics unless you are privy to the agreement. I can tell you she has a great many. I'm surprised she agreed to negotiate at all. My eyes roll back like, oh god. Just so that you know, my character is feeling like she's made a massive, huge, horrible mistake. But she will pick herself up, dust herself off, and say, thank you, Tree. I am here to be the memory for man. Is there anything that the memory would like to tell me now before I leave this grove and try to figure out how to keep a war from happening? I'm afraid the cat is the only one with an answer to that. All right, I'll start making my way out of the grove. Okay, you get about two steps out of the grove, and you hear padding up alongside you a uh, panther-sized cat mm-hmm. that says, We really should negotiate. I've brought back the answer from the Fairy Queen. The Fairy Queen has agreed to your terms. You may ask exactly three questions. I am to answer them as thoroughly as possible. 
then we will begin negotiations. I have taken the liberty of extending your status as an ally of the Fairy Queen until those negotiations conclude. What are your three questions? Out of character, I need to think about how I want to phrase these, because the first question that I want to ask is why the Fairy Queen wants to go to war with House Mason. But what does the Queen have against House Mason that has caused her to order assaults against it? House Mason has long been a thorn in her side. They had a champion once, I'm told, before I was created. I am also told it's dead. But it seems like they are creating a new one, maybe. I need time to think on these questions. The messenger says, hmm, time. I cannot continue to give you the benefits of being an ally of the Fairy Queen any longer. I suppose you could reserve your two questions. But it would be in your best interest to make at least one agreement before I leave. I'll say, all right, then tell me what you offer. Let us start with the circle. The Fairy Queen will continue to grant immunity to the thorns hunting and access to the powers of the beast in exchange for ten souls. I want different terms. Very well. What do you have in mind? A continuation of everything as you have said in return for... A regular supply of information about the goings-on at House Mason. To be clear, then, we will allow the entry of new members into the agreements of the Circle of the Moon, that being thorns will not hunt them, and they will be granted the powers of the beast. And on top of that, you wish for information on House Mason, as no, it is learned. No, I offer that information. And in exchange for this information that you have on House Mason... How would you like to amend the agreement? That is what I offer instead of lives. Alternate proposal. Information on House Mason will allow those to enter into the Circle of the Moon, and in exchange the thorns will not hunt them. The additional powers of the beast will require seven souls. So basically, new druids would not get animal powers. Right. But they would be immune to the thorns, unless you send along seven souls. This is great. You could bring in a bunch of new druids, and then they could, like, cut back the thorns. Very well. It is agreed. One piece of information from House Mason per individual allowed to enter into the Circle of the Moon, and those individuals will then be immune to the thorns. I find this acceptable. The deal is struck. Now for the second one. You and the Circle of the Moon will be considered allies of the Fairy Queen. This extends you protection throughout the kingdom. The cost of this is that you will do no harm to any other allies of the Fairy Queen. You don't have to shake your heads. I don't want to make this deal. And you guys are like, no, no, no. I'll say this I cannot promise if I am to keep the initial agreement that we have already made. I may need the ability to harm or at least threaten harm to an ally. Hmm. Certainly there is another way. We will extend to yourself and the members of the Circle of Moon status of ally of the Fairy Queen. In exchange, you may not take any action that assists or aids an enemy of the Fairy Queen. I have no way of knowing who is an enemy of the Fairy Queen before I act. You could ask them. 
I have seen the results of such situations. It doesn't end well. Mm. I need something more concrete. We will extend the status of ally to you and the Circle of the Moon. In exchange, on the full moon, you must hold a group meeting at this location with every member of the Circle of the Moon. In that group meeting, you must swear collectively to the worship of her greatness. That ain't so bad. (laughs) For that meeting only. Once every full moon, you must create a ritual where you worship her greatness. And when the meeting is over, the worship also ends until the next moon. I'm not sure you could guarantee that behavior of anyone. For all members who willingly will come and participate. That is not enough. You are the head of the Circle of the Moon. Bring all members of the Circle of the Moon here every full moon and worship the Fairy Queen. And in exchange, you will be granted status as an ally. This is hard, friends. Mm-hmm. I don't like negotiating with fairies. Nope. The best deal is not to make a deal. Well, yeah, but I kind of need the ally thing. Do you? It seems like you'd be better as a free agent. Like, I mean, that's why Lady Varathy was trying to cut her ties with the lady. Yeah. You mostly need to not be harmed by the thorns. I want to pause this negotiation to ask my second question. Very well. Ask your second question. What does the Fairy Queen gain from worship? You have asked a question of which I have little information. My understanding is, in the age before the gods of man, they worshipped beings of power and treated her in that time as god. She is quite cross that that is no longer the case. I believe the most direct answer to your question would be, you would massage her ego. Like I said, that ain't so bad. All right, restate these terms. You will meet on the full moon with every member of the Circle of the Moon to worship the greatness of the Queen of the Fairies. In exchange, you will be considered an ally of the Fairy Queen, you and all members of the Circle of the Moon. Provided I have the ability to renegotiate this, should I need to? You can always renegotiate. Then I accept. Excellent. Which brings us to the issue of Ophelia. Now, if you would like to undo her agreement, we could discuss terms of that. Or perhaps you would like to skip that for now. Maybe we can talk about the terms the matron had. Permanent partnership, perhaps, with the fairy queen. In exchange, you will cease to age. I have no desire for this. Well, you are young now. Ophelia is an adult. She can make her own decisions. Very well. You have something in mind Hmm. to undo Ophelia's curse. Yes. Do share. (laughs) Ophelia's most recent agreement is that the thorns will not grow toward your house. In exchange, she must do whatever she is commanded to by the fairies, provided it comes from the fairy queen. I can ensure that no fairies offer any additional input to her for the remainder of that time period. In exchange for that same time period, you may not work against any ally of the Fairy Queen, unless you would like to offer an alternate term. I can't. I cannot make. I cannot accept these terms. I could make them more specific, perhaps. But here? There is a creature that roams nearby who calls herself Glindy. She was once an ally of the Fairy Queen, and she is now an enemy. Glindy? 
she refers to herself as Glindy the Good Witch. You will find this Glindy the Good Witch and eliminate her. You have the full 30 days to do it. Should you fail, the agreement will be considered void. And the outcome of Ophelia's agreement would hit full force. Full force. Hmm, likely. This you offer to ensure that no fairy or ally of fairy forces Ophelia to obey based upon her agreement. She will receive no further commands for the remainder of that time period. The first one stands. Um, so out of character, I seem to remember mm-hmm. that it said any fairy or ally of the fairy queen that gives her a command. In the name of the fairy queen, yes. In the name of the fairy yeah, but what if somebody just said, in the name of the fairy queen, blah, 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 blah. I mean, they would have to know that she was bound in that way to do that. And I guess they could buy that information with a deal. Boy, you'd be a little screwed. <laughs> Our DM is loving this right now. Look at, look, at my, look at his face. Look at his face. Look at his face. Smug okay, bastard. Out of character, I wanted to make sure that I remembered that correctly. We would have to agree to something much more drastic if you would like to eliminate her agreement entirely. I think I will pass. Very well. I have one more offer to discuss. All right. You have a fairy blessing. I do? Yes. Uh, Describe that blessing. Your skin is like the tree frog, if I am not mistaken. Oh, the blessing. Yes. What of it? You could make an agreement to manipulate that blessing. So, for example, perhaps you wanted to trade it in for a better one. There would be a cost, of course. I believe in this instance we would have to have quite a severe cost. I think for that one we would have to have both the agreement that you would harm no ally of the Fairy Queen and also that you would speak no ill of a fairy bargain. That is most certainly an agreement that I would have to think upon. Well, you may think for as long as you wish. Excellent. And I still have one question. Mm-hmm. I will keep it. Noted. Well, this has been a start to what I'm sure will be a long and fruitful relationship for both of us. Congratulations on your two agreements, Sable, Valeria, Verathi. Is it Baroness now? I'm not going to answer that. And the cat will sort of turn its tail up and walk away. Actually, it will turn its weird tentacle things up and walk away. I will say, Tree, do you answer qualitative questions? I answer all of the questions I am able to in my capacity as your memory. Excellent. So how was that? And that wraps our episode for today. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you got this podcast. Our tunes are by Todd Ferguson at My Pet Machine. Our logo is by Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy. You can find them both on Facebook. What has Sable gotten herself into? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey.
matron, baroness, <laughs> sable, Valeria Merkwood. Can we just come up with the acronym? <laughs> yeah. Matron. I'm collecting names. M B S V M B. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. No. no. <laughs> Some of them. Are. <laughs> Hey, MBSV, what's up? <laughs> MB! 